0: Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More. Today is a guest episode, and I am delighted to introduce you all to Lahani Noor. Lahani is resident psychotherapist at the Manchester Institute of Psychotherapy, where she manages her private practice. A mother to a teenage son, Lahani specialises in sex and relationship issues and family therapy, and appeared as a therapist in BBC One's popular Sex on the Couch series in 2019. Over the last 30 years, she has worked with a wide range of clients with issues including addiction, sexual abuse, anxiety, depression, stress, relationship breakdown, and sexual dysfunction. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Lahani. I've been so looking forward to our conversation. It's really, really good to have you here.
1: Thank you, Leslie, and it's a pleasure to be here. So I
0: always ask my guests the same first question. So I'm going to ask you that
1: same question. What is your money story? I thought about this at length. And um, I keep moving away from the subject of money in my own thinking because I've never really been focused very much on money as a material thing, you know, as something that you hold and you look at and you accumulate. I'm much more interested in experiences. And uh, uh, obviously, we need money to facilitate experiences. So. When I reflect back over my life, I think of my life in terms of the experiences I've had, as opposed to the money I've got. Um, and I'm really fortunate. I've had lots of experiences.
0: And when you look back over those experiences, do you feel that money has only enhanced them? Or do you feel there has been occasion where money has
1: taken away from the full experience? Oh, gosh, that's a really tricky question. Um, I would say that money has enhanced my experiences as it's given me the opportunity to do a little bit more as opposed to not be able to do the things I want to do. Because I don't focus on money, and sometimes I kick myself for this, I really think I should focus more on money. I should be determined to get more pennies in the bank and, and work specifically for the express purpose of gathering money. But because I'm not that way inclined, money hasn't dampened my experience in that I haven't been reluctant to spend it to get the experience or to get the thing that I want. Um, And again, maybe I should be reluctant to spend money. Maybe I should be more interested in accumulating it, keeping it. But no, in answer to your question, no, it hasn't hindered me. I don't think money has hindered me because I don't hold it in itself as the the final outcome.
0: And why do you think you don't focus on money
1: where has that come from Mm, you know that's quite possibly because I haven't had a lot in the past I've left home really young I was 15 I had no money I had no means of making money really either Um, and so I had to just accept that I didn't have it back then and uh, the thing that was most actually I'm thinking about your questioning again I'm thinking I don't know I don't know why I don't idealize money and why it's not so important to me as a material thing But I can tell you the things that are important to me, and that's communication, connection, uh, friendship, intimacy, and doing things, experiences are really, really important to me. So traveling, nice restaurants, um, you know, having the opportunity to go to lovely beaches or um, country walk, those things are important and those things do cost money. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And when you think back to, you know, your childhood when you were growing up at home, was there the same attitude towards money? It wasn't particularly spoken about. It wasn't particularly it didn't particularly
1: feature in your childhood? I think the attitude was the opposite. Isn't that interesting? So we didn't have lots of experiences and we didn't have lots of things. And I had the sense that my parents worked really hard to accumulate money to keep it, you know, to have that the pension or the savings and 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 thing that I suppose most sensible people do so um it wasn't explicitly spoken about but it certainly wasn't freely spent it was saved you know saved for a rainy day saved for the future saved for when you retire um so my outlook's really quite different from that in that I'd rather have a really fantastic life um and have less when I'm older you know when I can't spend it anyway um or maybe I, maybe i'm foolish maybe i'm just not thinking it through i don't know but i certainly my my goal in life is not to save all the money i can so that when i'm almost dead i've got something in the bank that's not that's not my outlook
0: and yeah you know, that i think that applies to lots of people you know in the population it's interesting i'll have to send you my money archetypes mm-hmm. assessment after we're done because i suspect connector is going to show up. For you in a big way, because by the sounds of it, you're somebody who doesn't particularly like to think about money. You have be- have a belief that it's always going to be there, but it doesn't really stress you out in any way, and you certainly don't want to be
1: thinking about the future in terms of your money. No, the, you're absolutely not right in all those things, and interestingly, slightly to a side, but the same. Um, when I was very young and I was traveling a lot and I didn't wasn't connected with my family at all I used to say to myself it doesn't matter where I go in the world there will always be somebody there to meet me and that's always been the case and I suppose that's my attitude towards money as well it it just shows up I just get it I always have enough I might not have massive amounts in surplus but whatever it is I want to do somehow the money comes yeah. And that's you know that's a really good demonstration there of
0: something that I always say is that how we do money is how we do everything.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I and I think for lots of people they don't necessarily appreciate that they almost see money as being something completely separate to how they manage their lives, how they live their lives. Money is an adjunct on the side rather than actually recognizing that money is a reflection of how you are living your life. And if you are somebody like you are, who has a firm belief, it will be there when I need it. Friendships will be there When I need them, when I arrive at the airport, there will be somebody there to meet me. Then that will very much follow through, essentially. Did you
1: do you have siblings? Lots of siblings. But can I just say, Leslie, I feel like I've had a really big aha moment just listening to you speak there because I'd never quite put the two together. You know how I am as a person, it's yeah. happening with money and so my brain right now, part of my brain right now is going, Oh my goodness, I can really see that. That's amazing, that's fantastic. So I will reflect on that at length. Abs- yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is that is why
0: what I do is so important to me mm-hmm. because it isn't just about the money relationship mm-hmm. when I work with my clients, it's actually getting them to understand holistically. Their approach to money, because when they can really drill down into that relationship, that is when they can do exactly as you've just said there reflect on what other areas of my life do I deal with in the same way that I do money? And is there a different way I can do money that then reflects in my life that is actually going to see me? get more of what I want? And Mm. is that going to be um, deeper friendships? Is that going to be extending my social circle? Is that going to be me being more visible in my business? And I think it's that holistic approach. Mm. When we understand our relationship with money, we actually realize that fundamentally, Yes. it isn't about the number in the bank it's about the emotional yes. number internally that yeah. that that depth of connection essentially because i think you know we, we, i've heard it said and i say it myself money is just an exchange of energy yes. well actually our relationships are an exchange of energy and once we understand that and once we understand the depth of connection that mm-hmm. we need to really be living the life we want to lead, then we realise the importance that money plays, and you know, the mon- the importance of money plays mm-hmm. in building that life. Essentially, not that it needs to rise above anything else in order mm-hmm. of preference, but we need to respect that relationship in yes. the
1: same way we respect other relationships absolutely I'm listening to you so intently Leslie I almost want to take notes but I, you can I listen I, to the podcast <laughs> listen to it again because there's so much depth in what you're saying it has such meaning for me especially in that I understand the flow of energy and I talk about the flow of energy all the time but I'd never quite made that connection and it just feels so incredibly profound and yet so incredibly obvious as well at the same time um, and I will, I will labor on it at length because uh, there's something in that area for me right now that's very live uh, in my own personal journey at this moment. It's very live. And I, so uh, rather than trying to unpick it right now yeah. here, I'll come back to the podcast and I'll listen to it again. But thank you for that. Thank you. No, that's right.
0: Absolutely. And, and do you know though that, that, that is the essence of it is once mm. we find something that resonates with us and more importantly resonates with our subconscious that is when we will be on a walk or we'll yep. be in the shower or we'll be doing the weekly mm. shop it'll be something you know yep. completely kind of you know mindless we don't need to have our you know our brain engaged it's at that point in time that something when you have that that download that you suddenly go oh my goodness all right so i can now connect with what was said there and i can put that into action That is actually going to have an impact on my life. And I think that is the exciting thing about drilling down into our relationship with money, because almost we can do that drilling down exclusively on our own. We don't need to be thinking about somebody else, we don't need to be engaging with somebody else in that conversation, but in understanding our relationship with money all of a sudden we will understand our relationship with others so i'm going to make a note now i'm going to send you the archetypes assessment
1: yes i'd love to.
0: because what you will really really enjoy about the assessment is from the perspective that you're now considering it considering yeah. you will be you will be answering the questions from the perspective of money but actually you could answer that assessment substituting money yeah. for love, yeah. for relationships, for friends, for yeah. family. And that's how intuitive that yeah. assessment is, and how it really, really demonstrates how we do money is how we do everything.
1: Yeah, it sounds amazing. Really looking forward to it. And I'm already thinking about energetic flow and restrictions. And um, how the two, you know, run together, and so restrictions in my life, perhaps, or in friendships, or in other areas, that might also translate into restrictions in money. There's that the 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 old um, idea that we have to let we have to let money flow. That if we restrict it, yeah. or if we restrict energy, then then we get blockages. And I'm I, I'm not suggesting that I should go and suddenly spend all my money in you know, wild abandon, but there is something about the trusting perhaps I've lost a little bit of trust as time's gone on trusting that the universe always provides and and again not in an airy fairy you know pink fluffy bunny way but in a very real way in trusting in the substance of yeah
0: absolutely yeah absolutely and I think when you have that abundant mindset Mm -hmm. and this this has only come to me very very recently this connection to a certain extent but when we trust our gut instinct, when yeah. we trust that feeling in our stomach, yeah. I firmly believe we are in an abundant state. Then we believe, okay, I'm not quite feeling right about doing this, but my gut instinct is telling me mm. I must act in this way. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever I'm guided to do. I firmly believe that is being done in an abundant mindset. If you go against, that get reaction that feeling in your stomach i now firmly believe you are in a position of scarcity you yeah. are making a decision that does not feel right to do mm-hmm. and that you know that that could be for all sorts of reasons it could be acting out of integrity in your business, but you're desperate to get that next client. So you mm-hmm. go and do something, you go and copy what somebody has said, or you go and say something that is just not you. Mm-hmm. That's acting in scarcity because your yeah. gut reaction, your that gut feeling in your stomach is really saying, "Uh, uh-uh, you don't want to be doing that. What you want to be doing is this. And when you go against it, that is acting in scarcity. And I think once you once you learn to trust your your gut mm-hmm. reaction, the universe, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. It delivers. It yes. doesn't deliver by you just sitting there and but, waiting for it to happen. It delivers when you take that aligned action. Yes. That means that whatever you do next as mm-hmm. a result of going, OK, I hear you. I know, I know what I need to do. I will go and do it. Yes. Then you create the evidence that by listening, that by following what yeah. you've been called to do, you create the evidence where your subconscious goes, Ah, okay, I can see. You yeah. listened, you lent in, you mm-hmm. followed through. Okay, yeah. why don't we try that again? Why don't you follow your gut instinct again and see what happens again? And I think when we when we do that, when we act in that abundance, that's when things work out. When yeah. we try and go against, because you know, I would I would love any, any, any listener now to come back and, and you know if there is an example where mm. they have literally gone against their gut reaction and yeah. it has worked out well for them, Yeah, I would love to know. I doubt so. exactly. I don't think if I've ever gone against my gut feeling. If I've sat there and gone, well done, Leslie, good job. You didn't listen to yourself.
1: I don't yeah. think it's ever worked out for me. No, not at all. And I, I like the way you're you positive because I think of that same thing of trusting yourself as integrity. That if you copy someone or, you know, you're not really being treated to yourself or you're attempting to manipulate somebody to get what you want in a negative way. Because I think manipulation happens on all sorts of levels. Yeah. Then you have to know yourself as that person and it compromises your integrity, not in the eyes of anybody else necessarily, but in your own eyes, in how you see yourself and how you feel about yourself. And so I think maintaining your own sense of integrity to yourself is really vital to stay
0: healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So just going back to the question with regards to, because I, I always find this fascinating and I, and I in part know the answer because of our money archetypes. but with regards to your siblings, yeah. do they have that, you know, that same, they don't really think about money attitude that you do?
1: Gosh, I have so many siblings and so I'm going to, um And it is okay to tell you this because I know I've spoken to my siblings, but I have everything from uh, millionaire siblings to um, a heroin addict, um, you know, who's practically homeless. So I have the full range. Wow! Yeah, Um, there were you know, there's there's quite a few of us. So I think we have one of everything in terms of (laughs) in lifestyle and outlook. But even, my, even the one that's the heroine addict, even he's okay in the sense that um, he has got a home and he does manage financially, but I think he's probably well supported by various other members of the family. And he, my mum left him some money, so he's got this kind of allowance that gets shifted out to him. Um, but we're all okay. None of us are struggling. There is no There is not one of my siblings is struggling financially, which is amazing, isn't it? Really? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if our approaches are very different. Mm, I think we've probably all got a sense that we'll be okay financially. I don't think it's ever occurred to us that we won't be okay.
0: And that's always the interesting thing. You know, I can remember my first term at university. um being taught about you know nature nurture, and up until that point I'd never really thought about you know, you know are 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 our personality our characteristics are we born with them, or are they nurtured through our you know our parents our our upbringing essentially? and I don't know if I even now really have you know one defined answer to that. Because I even see with my me and my brother and sister, you know we are very, very different in mm-hmm. our approaches to things now, whether that's based on me being the oldest, my sister being in the middle, and my you know my brother being the youngest, you know, I don't know, but I do think money our money archetypes do very, very largely play into our relationship with money because when I look at my two children you know my 15 my year old is very much one for the yeah. expensive brands and spending you know spending money almost before he's got it whereas my youngest son mm-hmm. you know even today it's a it's a wear your own clothes to school day yeah. and my youngest son said oh wonder what Adam's going to be wearing today. He's going to be coming down in God knows who, you know, God knows what. He said, I've got no interest in fashion. As long as it covers my bits and I don't look silly, I'm not bothered. And I just thought, you know, how interesting to have two children who are very close in age, so really have been brought up, you know, at exactly the same time, but to have
1: two completely different approaches to money about that yeah it's remarkable isn't it but even so i have a 15 year old as well in fact he's just turned 16 and he has taught me so much about high-end fashion (laughs) you know expensive (laughs) perfumes fine dining I mean really really because as much as I like experiences I can't say I've ever really bought into the material aspects of the universe you know but my son for some reason has this absolute taste for all things refined he is a magpie if it's shiny and expensive he knows if he doesn't know anything about it well it's not worth knowing um and I do wonder where he got that from But I wonder if it came from, now that you're speaking, the manifestation is different, but I wonder if it came from the idea that there's always enough money and we don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Also, I suspect he is either going to be a celebrity archetype or a romantic archetype because both celebrity and romantic really do enjoy the finer things in life romantics in particular do believe they're worth it um, and therefore will go out and and you're very welcome to share the assessment with your son because I think for for all of us to know what our archetypes are does actually allow us to make those intentional decisions around expend expenditure around mm-hmm. saving rather than just kind of going well you know that's how I am I can't help it mm-hmm. actually you can you can make an informed decision you can say well actually I've had a you know I've had a great week this week I'm gonna celebrate and I'm gonna celebrate by treating myself to X mm-hmm. or I have had a rubbish week this week it hasn't gone particularly well what I'm going to do is I'm going to ponder on what I could do better for next week, and then I'll think about what I'm going to do to celebrate. Then, so you can kind of make those those much more informed decisions by by leaning because you have three money archetypes and leaning in to the relevant archetype according to the right decision that you want to make. But it's really interesting that your son you're seeing has a different attitude, a different philosophy to money to, than you do.
1: Yes. I mean, it's just very free. He's very free with it. He has a, he has a crypto portfolio, which he's grown himself, which is really quite impressive. And uh, he's very much interested in kind of global money systems. He's 15. He was the economist and he knows more about, he talks about fiat money and other such things. I have no idea what he's speaking about, but his interest in money and the he sees it, as a friend and something that's interesting and something that he can utilize. Whereas I don't think I felt that way about it growing up, not that I thought it was an enemy or it wasn't something I could access, but I didn't feel that engagement with it. um, The way my son does, my son just seems to have this really, he's just very interested in money and money systems, Um, which is, you know, it's fine and it's lovely. He could be interested in anything, but maybe it is because, of that assuredness. And when he's just okay, it's not an enemy. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's something we can utilize, we can think about, we can talk about. And so he does. It's a resource. Yes. It's a resource. Exactly.
0: And I think what is so really interesting about this whole thing, you know, around cryptocurrency, you're absolutely right that it appears to have engaged the younger generation far more than any traditional sense
1: of money has been able to. Yes. And the knowledge that he's gained about money systems, global money systems, and his interest, the way it's expanded, is phenomenal. I mean, you know, just as a I don't know, 13, 14 year old, he suddenly heard about Bitcoin. And then from there he went on and on and on. And he's invested all his pocket money, you know, all his allowances and every single bit of money he's got and and created quite a portfolio. Um, you're right. If it was, if that hadn't happened, I don't know if he'd have the interest in money because it's not, again, it's not the paper, the commodity, not the, uh, you know, oh, look at me, I've got all this money. Yeah. It's the process that's engaged him. Yeah. You know, the process of having to, uh, like a giant puzzle or a quiz, of having to work out what's worth what and what to move where, and, you know, how how the power and influence of um, systems on one another how they kind of rub against each other to create more or less money I th- and I think it's the gamification almost, isn't it? Oh, and yeah. I think
0: that that probably you know that probably was not the intention of you know however and whoever you know invented this financial system, it mm-hmm. probably wasn't the gamification element, but the gamification element is probably what has switched on. Yes. Teenagers, etc., that there is a, there is a way that is fun mm-hmm. that they are in control of. Because I think for you know for our generation, it was always about ISIS and yeah. savings yeah. and mortgages and pensions. Mm-hmm. And when you think of those things, you think of the color grey. You mm-hmm. think It doesn't feel exciting. It doesn't feel enticing, and it certainly doesn't feel something that is always relevant to the here and now. You know, you're saving for a mortgage. You're saving for your retirement. Whereas with with cryptocurrency, and I, you know, I know that the gains can be longer term, but there's also a quicker return to be made. So yeah. I believe because I need to equip myself more with knowledge around cryptocurrency. I possibly need to speak to my fifteen-year-old as well. <laughs> but it does it, it does seem to play in very very nicely to that gamification. Yeah. You're in charge. You can, if you if you really manage it well, there are big gains to be made, yeah. and I think that really excites and fires up teenagers and possibly know younger than that but it fires them up to actually want to get engaged and that is possibly the cleverest bit of what has happened because how many big companies would really like to be able to fire up the imagination of their would-be clients as soon as they possibly can but crypto definitely seems to be doing that. And isn't it great that as a 15, 16 year old, your son has the mindset that money is a resource. He sounds to me like he respects it. And I think that is really, really important, but also
1: he's enjoying it in the here and now as well. He does enjoy it as well. Yes, it is fabulous. And actually, again, I hadn't really fully appreciated how great, you know, how great it's been that he's got engaged with crypto and how much it's changed him and grown him really as a person. And me too, because although, he, you know, I don't really understand it and I don't really want to, I feel like my brain's full of other stuff. I don't know yeah. about crypto as well. It's like, please. But um, but I have learned something about it and I have learned about um there's something about the abundance of money with crypto as well. And as you said, there's so much money to be made so much quickly, but then there's so much to lose so quickly. So yeah. there's volatility. But um, but I think that's what that's taught my son. And maybe inadvertently taught me is that there can be really quick gains, really quick losses, and then really quick gains is it? again. So not to be afraid, not to be afraid of the dips. Yeah, Okay. It's yeah. just of the course. Um, and maybe that's what I teach my clients on the emotional level which is that there will be dips and that that you will be okay even yeah. there are dips and yeah. maybe uh, that learning is yet for me fully it's a fully uh, formalizing the financial uh, parts of my brain the, brain the bit the bit that thinks about finances yeah and i and
0: i, th- I think there it 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 almost plays into you know when it comes to speculating financially Only speculate to the amount that you can afford to lose because the loss then is going to be manageable rather than catastrophic. And maybe it's the same when it comes to managing your emotions and an emotional relationship. Only invest to the point that you can afford to invest emotionally until you've got that track record of consistency and the Emotional investment has been grown organically yes. and therefore you can take that next step in yep. that investment.
1: Totally and and so I work a lot with co- well, individuals seeking relationship, new relationship. and sometimes people get really fearful almost as if they think they have to mesh in with the other person straight away. Mm-hmm and you don't have to do that of course you don't much like you say feel it out one step at a time if it feels okay if it's not compromising your boundaries if you're not you know there's no danger uh, bells going off then you can take the next step and you can stop or pause at any point so it's again it's learning that to trust yourself trust your instinct and really connect with your own boundaries and limitations and honour them. And that's the integrity, isn't it, that you honour yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, it's you know, isn't it lovely that yet again we've drawn that parallel as well mm-hmm. between, you know, relationship with money and our wider relationships, how they both work in sync with each other and mm-hmm. we maybe need to, to break how we do one in order to understand how we should be yes. do or change, not break, change how we do one in order to know what we need to do in the
1: other. Yes. And uh, there's something that's prickling at the back of my mind and I can't quite grab it. But there's something about abundance and flow and how and judgment and um I'm not sure how it all fits together but the the ideas that are forming in my head are something about you know if we restrict communication friendship and the flow of energy there are we also restricting in other areas is it and is it an inevitable thing so and I don't know how that would act out and I, I you know is it that if you're a judgmental restrictive person who contains and limits contact with people does that also manifest in your material world
0: yeah no, that's Maybe, interesting
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So is there is there anything that you would say now
1: to your younger self? Oh, gosh. Actually, you know, I maybe it is about money. I don't know what I would tell her to spend, uh, to go back to school. I mean, I've studied all my life probably in some way or other. I'm a real ardent learner. and love learning. But I I spent a long time um, training and competing and that was my focus and my goal. And I had a great time, you know, but um, what I would say to my younger self is spend less time doing that and more time in school.
0: Interesting. And how do you think
1: that has impacted on you? Well, I think it's just delayed. So actually, yeah, it's delayed the accumulation of wealth. That's what it's done. And whereas you know, as I said before, the accumula- accumulation of wealth has not been interesting to me in the past. Um, it is now. But, you know, I wouldn't have the wisdom that I have now if I hadn't done the things i have done before. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feeds into itself. I'm a really good practitioner. I know that I'm a really good therapist. I, I'm not being arrogant. I just mm-hmm. am, I am. But one of the reasons I am is because of the depth and breadth of my life experience. So, you know, if I wasn't to have had that depth and breadth of life experience, I wouldn't have all those uh, resources to draw upon to enable me to be the practitioner I am. So I've answered my own question in a way I wasn't meant to do that then, and I'm meant to do it now.
0: And I love that. I do. I love that. You know, I I can remember hearing somebody saying, and and it so resonates with me is that life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I I I very often, and I've stopped saying it, but I, I for a while I kept saying. I wish I'd become a coach 10 years earlier. And then I realized that the reason I left corporate life and joined my husband in his business 11 years ago was because my corporate job was not allowing me to spend time with my children. They were very young then. They were only three and 18 months or so. I was traveling up to London on the train two or three times a week, hoping I would be back in time to give them a good night kiss. And if I become a coach 11 years ago and all the training that I've gone through over the last few years, et cetera, and the time I've had to take to build up the business, if I had done that 10, 11 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to spend Mm -hmm. the time that I did with my children. Mm -hmm. So you're so right in what you've said, even though initially we might think, oh, I wish I had done this then. Actually, when we think about it, things happened when they were meant to happen for us, and the experience that we have as a result of them happening in the way that they did, Yes, we almost have to send thanks out and say, actually, everything happened in the way it was meant to happen, because if the sliding door had gone in a different direction, wouldn't
1: necessarily be doing what I'm doing now. Absolutely. And just to consolidate what you're saying, the thing I always say is that everything is for your learning. Yeah. So even if it's really difficult, the thing that's happening, it's for your learning. And I, um, you know, it, as, as difficult as it might be to hear, if you're in a really difficult place in your life right now, take the learning, take the learning from it. I like that. I'm going to take, take a note of that myself.
0: Mm-hmm. You know that that is a really good way to look at that, and it 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 does also feed into something I was told about eighteen months ago, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Now, share from the scar, not from the wound, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. it it absolutely pays into exactly what you've said there. Take the learning, so the learning you're having now, the experience you're going through now. Eventually, you'll be able to look back and yeah. be able to say, "This is what I've learned. This yeah. is my wound, and yeah. this is how I can how I can help others because yeah. I have gone through that." So yeah. take the learning. I think that is a really, really that, that that's going to stay with me. Yeah. That's absolutely going to yeah. stay with me. So, what's
1: next for you? Well, I think i my next stage of my life as we're talking about money is going to be focused on accumulating some money also on top. And, but it isn't going to be my primary focus, but I'm going to open that door because I think I never really have. I never really have thought about hmm, how much money can I earn and, and, um, or accumulate. And in fact, to even say now, like it doesn't sit with me very well, Leslie. So I'm going to re- I'm going to retract that and say, no, I'm not going to do that because I wouldn't know how to do it. The next phase of my life is going to be on um, developing my practice and myself as a more visible practitioner in the world um, and doing which more kind of media uh, and social uh, kind of society focused work. I'm hesitant because I notice myself say I want the money and then I'll pull away from it straight away and I'm thinking what is that Um, is it is it difficult for me and I don't think it's difficult for me I think just in itself it's unrewarding just um, to focus solely on money is not rewarding it doesn't drive me I immediately feel um, low in energy although it is important to be rewarded for hard work so I suppose
0: I th- and I think, I think as well, and I think this—you know—I I see this in, you know, in lot in lots of my clients. You know, money is a means to an end. Mm. Money provides options. Money gives us the ability to choose. Yeah. And I think if it is regarded in that way, mm. rather than the focus being on money, so all the things you said there with regards to, I want to get more visible. I want to go out into society. Well, actually, what is the likely Output of that going to be of getting more visible. You'll be yes. getting more clients. You'll be making more money. Absolutely. So the the end result will be the same.
1: Yes, it's just the goal is different. Yes, and when we talk about integrity earlier, and I think this is this is some leftover coding in me. I'm I'm just feeling like the wisps of it, which is something about it's not okay to want to make money your priority, but somehow it's crude or uncouth. And I'm challenging myself because I'm hearing it prickling me as we're speaking. I'm thinking, well, What's wrong with wanting money? What's wrong with saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to earn some money and I'm going to have some nice things or earn more money. But just to, there's something about focus on on it directly that feels uncomfortable. But I suspect that's because of Something in my psychological programming, as opposed to because it's not okay.
0: Yeah, and 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 it, you know, it's it's definitely a money block, and it's a money block that, that I hear frequently where people feel uncomfortable. Who am I to want more? Who am I to state a particular figure that I feel I want to earn? It makes people feel uncomfortable because of conditioning, because of the messages that have been played out. As they're growing up. But when you change that focus to the more money I earn, the more people I can help. The more people I can help, the more money I can earn. Mm -hmm. And it's what you then do with that money that Mm -hmm. creates that sense of integrity and alignment with money. Mm -hmm. If you were saying, I want to earn so much money that I can have a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth yeah. home, you know, a home in every big city, you know, around the world, that probably wouldn't sit particularly comfortable with you. But if you could say, I want so much money that I can go out and create a movement where everybody is able to have a happy and committed relationship, yeah. and the ripple effect from that would be stronger family ties, I can imagine there you'd go, yep, I'll sign up for that tomorrow. And I think that is what we need to find is what is our motivation for the money, not the money
1: being the motivation. And I felt the energetic shift as you were speaking. So when you said a house in every city, there was uh, was a low energy and a kind of, oh yeah, you know, that'd be nice. But I wasn't really interested. But when you talked about uh, developing a movement that really impacts lots of people and enables them to have healthy relationships I felt myself energetically immediately yeah. really started to be fired up with that so um but there is something else isn't there and the other thing is that we mustn't make money itself a dirty word absolutely yep. we mustn't make wealth bad you know um if other people are struggling with because I'm a single parent I have been for a long time and we don't, you know, we're okay. We're doing really great. And I know lots of other single parents who aren't doing so great and who struggle. Um, making that comparison isn't healthier. Uh, it doesn't help. Making myself less doesn't help the people who are already struggling. Nope. Absolutely. So uh, there's something about not feeling ashamed or, or f- okay. for being successful. Absolutely. Being okay. Totally agree with you. I'm going I'm to find a quote. So
0: please indulge me a second. Somebody that I know said this yesterday. So I just need to find what she said because, wow, it absolutely. She's somebody that I've interviewed um, on the podcast. She was my my very first guest on the podcast. And she said yesterday on LinkedIn, if I can get into this now. Mm -hmm. So where is the quote? because I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Here we go. So Mm -hmm. Penny, the world doesn't need another poor person. That is your job in life. Build a business that gives, but doesn't render you in need as a result. Yes. And I thought that was perfect. A lot of people Mm. seem to have a belief that in order to help others, it is wrong to think about creating wealth yeah. for themselves but actually by creating that wealth you are creating that space yeah. for others yeah. and when you have that financial freedom yeah true financial freedom that is when you are in
1: the ideal position to be helping others yeah, yeah. i love i love that and i'm kind of quickly writing it down because um I need. It's so helpful, isn't it, to, be, to have quotes or or thoughts or a narrative in your head that you can draw upon. So in those moments where you wobble a little and you have, because it's remarkable, isn't it, that you can, as an individual, having worked really, really hard, you can somehow get to a point where you start to feel a bit, you have to hide your wealth yeah. or be a bit ashamed about how much you earn and not tell people. I'm not suggesting that we should walk around with a big sticker on our forehead saying, you know, what we earn or what we're worth. But surely it's okay to be happy about it yeah. and say, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having wealth or succeeding, but it's a good thing.
0: When we openly talk about our wealth, and I don't mean the, the number in the bank at yes. all. Yeah. I mean about what having a wealthy lifestyle means to us, because wealth is different things to different people. Yeah. But when we talk about it, it should be viewed in terms of The art of the possible. You demonstrating what is possible for other people. Mm -hmm. And I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's a little bit like when Roger Bannister ran the first four-minute mile. How many people have subsequently done that? Because he demonstrated the art of the possible. So everybody who has a successful life. Mm -hmm. And wealth is one measure of a successful life that I feel it is incumbent upon them if they are acting in integrity, Mm -hmm. if they are not using it to show off or denigrate somebody somebody else, is demonstrating to others, I've done it, you can
1: do it. And
0: when you do that, that ripple effect is massive.
1: We're holding up a beacon, aren't we? We're saying, "I know the way over here," so we light the path. Exactly. The way. And I, yes, I mean, absolutely. I remember as a child thinking, um you know, the thought of being a single parent, not uh, you know, knowing of other single parents and how awful their life was and how awful their existence was. So when I became a single parent, you know, the idea that oh my gosh, is that what is going to happen to me? And of course, it's not, and it's never happened. We've had a fantastic life. Um, and I hope that does inspire other women who are, um, you know, women like me who've brought their children on their own. I hope we inspire other women who find themselves on their own with their children, have inspires them to know that, oh, it's more than possible to have a really great life, you know, to have a fabulous life, to not be short of money, to not be short of experiences, not be short of resources. So um, you to break that old narrative. So, yeah, absolutely agree yeah, with you. Absolutely.
0: I think that's a beautiful point on which to end. So, how can people, connect
1: with you so I at the moment the, probably the best way to connect with me is if uh, through my email uh, I should really be saying my website but it's not up and running at the moment so I, I've I'm resident at Manchester Institute for psychotherapy so I can be contacted through there but probably the best way is um through do you know, I'm hesitating because I actually am just realizing myself that I haven't got to, because I haven't got uh, my web page set up just yet. Are you on Um, social media? Are you on LinkedIn? I'm on social media. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, contact me through any of those places or my email, which is talktolahani at uh, gmail.com.
0: Perfect. And what I will do is I'll make sure that the relevant social media details are in the show notes along with your email address. So people can reach out to you um, and just say hello, basically. And my webpage will be up and running soon.
1: It's just kind of in repairs and everything. Okay.
0: Thank you very much for your time today. It's been brilliant speaking to you. I have loved the conversation. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you, Leslie. I've loved it too. Take good care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. If you have enjoyed it, I would love it if you would tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social media tagging me, Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram or the Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. But if you do, I promise I will give you a shout out in a future episode and I will be hugely grateful. I can also be found at Leslie Thomas on LinkedIn. If you would like a copy of my free resource, Three Mindset Shifts to Double Your Income, then please go to leslieathomas.com forward slash lets hyphen talk hyphen money. I would love to hear from you. So please do email me at leslie at leslieatomas.com. I will reply to all messages, but please do be patient. Until next time, remember, master your mindset. And in turn, you can master the money you make in your business.